0: This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, recorded November 15th, 2011. There's a doctor in my deep fryer. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that the Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800 GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting butcherbbq.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Draper's Barbecue, a third-generation barbecue company located in western Kentucky between Memphis and Kansas City. Their line of products represents both cities as well as the flavor profiles of Shane's home. Pick up their and Sauce and AP Rub today by visiting drapersbbq.com.
1: Welcome to the
2: Barbecue Central Show. The show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs. You'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by visiting the website, the bbqcentral.com. Now, let's get in the smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe.
0: Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the really big Barbecue Central show. <laughs> That's the show that talks about all things important to the world, the barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on this Tuesday for the outdoor live fire, cooking, grilling. If it has anything to do with fire, pretty much we're going to be all about it. So check it out here, and you can do that each and every Tuesday on one of the three various media outlets that we currently have running the show in some form or fashion. First, the old standby, which is latalkradio.com. This is where the show originated in its live format going on four years ago, I believe. It'll be four years, February 7th of 2012. You can also find it on the mothership, thebbqcentralshow.com, which is... The audio only, of course, there's a link to the third media outlet, which also carries the video feed, OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Those are the three live ways to catch the show. You can also get it on your smartphone if you have TuneIn Radio, which is a free app through all of these smartphone platforms. If you're cruising down the road, if you have Bluetooth connectivity, whatever the case may be, you can also stream the show just like it was regular radio right in your car or from your home, laptop, computer, whatever it may be multitude of ways to get the show, and I hope you get it when you can get it. Of course, if it is at your convenience, that's probably podcast-wise, and you can always hit the archives on the thebbqcentralshow.com to get them. If you ever miss a segment on the show or you can subscribe via iTunes or any number of the podcast directories, I have submitted all the proper XMLs to the uh, top XML and podcast directories in the industry So if you can't get the show live each and every Tuesday, and if you can, you have to know that I love you guys each and every most. That wasn't proper. I love each and every one of you live listeners the most, podcasters second the most. Although there is a special place in my heart for the podcasters since that's where the majority of the downloads come from. But nevertheless, the live listeners are where it's at because you're hearing the show as it's unfolding. It's not recorded. This is basically how the show is going to sound. Eject now. Eject. Now. Just kidding. Hey, uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, let me give you some contact information. Maybe you've tried a barbecue and grilling product out. Maybe you have a brand new piece of charcoal that you would like to review or saw, whatever the case may be. You can jump in on the show at any point. Always welcome that. Do it two ways toll free, 877 433 You can also email the show if you want to, greg at the BBQ Central Show. Dot com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. And by the way, here's what's happening in case you didn't know. Coming up in about 11 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by one of the all timers when it comes to barbecue, a legend. He is a cooking class instructor. He's been a competitor for years. He's a multiple time author. He is the executive chef for Big Green Egg. Got to see him on television, tailgate wars. Uh, I believe he was in John Marcus's last effort over the summer. It's Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be gearing up for a little holiday. Perhaps you didn't know that Thanksgiving is going to be uh, just a little over a week away. So we're going to be talking about Turkey more specifically. And you think I'm going to go and head for the smoke around this one, but that's where you're going to be wrong, my friends. We're going to be talking a little deep-fried turkey. That's right. There's fire, and it's outside, and it's oil, and it's dangerous. So, you know, we're definitely all about anything that has to do with cooking and great food and danger. Right? Danger. So Ray is going to talk to us about the dangers Of deep frying turkeys, how not to burn your house down or your deck down or burn you and your family like human sparklers on the 4th of July or whatever the case may be. We don't want to do that. Ray's going to help us through that. But also preparation, what you want to do to make the turkey taste, all that great stuff. Ray's going to be talking about it. Plus, he's got a new book coming out in uh, May of next year. So we'll obviously hit that as well. Oh, that's right. Forgot to mention, you can get segment interviews on the show if you miss it, as well on the, the YouTube. So you go to YouTube slash BBQ Central, and typically I have some of the big-hitting interviews uh, from the previous show up uh, relatively short, over 24, 36 hours. What can I tell you? So look for Ray Lampy about nine minutes from now. Also, coming up in the second hour, A very good friend of the show, a sponsor of the show, Shane Draper, is going to be joining us. And we're going to be talking about big stretch here for Shane, I know. But look, a lot of us tinker with this barbecue thing, and we start to make rubs, we start to make sauces, whatever the case may be. And people tell us, man, your stuff is really good. I would love to buy your You should sell your stuff. I mean, all these great... Words of wisdom from people that have no financial culpability whatsoever in your success or loss if you bring this stuff to market. But some people have the testicular fortitude in order to get that, take that next step. Sauce is good. Fine. I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to sink that money in there. I'm going to see if it floats. We're going to make a go of it. Shane has done it on both the rub and sauce side, so we're going to talk to Shane, uh, not necessarily going over what his stuff tastes like, what it's good on, all that stuff, but more as an entrepreneurial interview where I will be asking Shane questions, how did it come about? Why did you take the leap? We're going to cover it all. Look, there's a very definitive possibility that both of my booked guests tonight could easily carry two segments apiece completely blowing out all the other stuff that I had planned for this evening. I'm not saying that they're big talkers by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying there could be a plethora, a veritable cornucopia of information that is passed along, dare I say disseminated, across these very Internet lines tonight by my guests that could stagger and boggle the human mind. You might want to put pen to paper or at least sign up for podcasting at this point for this particular show because of my guests and the knowledge that they are about to spread tonight. So make sure that you are going to be taking diligent and copious notes for the two guests we have tonight. And again, very good chance that they could eat up two segments apiece, and that puts us pretty much right at the end of the show for that two-hour stretch. 877 Greg at show.com Now, I did have two other segments planned. And here's what I was thinking, and I have no idea if time-wise this is something that is actually going to happen. Let me preface. Can I preface after the facts? Uh, let me post this post this That's uh, prefacing after the fact. I'm going to post this. My guests are under no, uh, cons- uh, no, un- under no demand that they carry more segments than I have asked them to. I do have stuff planned. And it's just all depending on how things are developing, of course there 's a ebb and flow to the show. We want to make sure that if good stuff is still happening and we 're coming up against the clock that I have to meet might hold them over that 's all just saying so if things uh, move through rapidly and we get some good information, but we 're done at the end of the segment. I do have Dave Bosque's sweet barbecue sauce from Butcher barbecue products to review live right here in front of the camera and on your audio side, so you can hear my initial thoughts, my initial reactions. It didn't go very well for Squealer's barbecue, um, barbecue sauce. It was about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago that I did it. But I think it's a fun thing. I mean, look, we have to understand one thing and one thing only. Everybody's palate is different. What I like, what my flavor profile preferences are on my tongue doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate to you. I could end up drinking Dave's sauce out of a bottle like it's sweet Kentucky bourbon because I love it so much. And then you might say, well, if Rampy likes it, I must have to like that too. I will order up a bottle. Well, good that you took the chance and ordered up a bottle. But if you don't like it, don't send me hateful email about the fact that you don't like the sauce and I like. how could I like that? We have to remember one thing. Everybody's taste profiles and preferences and palates are different. If it tastes good to you, Remember, I always say this, if it tastes good to you, then it's good. That's what you should be doing. That's how you should be using it. That's what you should be cooking with. If it doesn't taste good to you, don't use it. Try it once, we try things, and then we learn from our experience. That's what we're trying to get across here on the show. It's learning, it's education, it's fun, it's entertainment, it's all of these things. So look for that, assuming we have time left in the show. All right, friends. You knew you missed out on a great time on November 5th because it was Turkey Fest 2011. Maybe you didn't get out to it over at Fred's Music and Barbecue located in Shillington, Pennsylvania. Well, fear not. I'm sure Fred took a ton of video for you to review because we know Fred is a man who is not afraid of the camera, nor is he afraid of the uh, Internet radio show he was on last week. He had a number of great suggestions, ideas, Things that uh, he is moving off of his shelves out there in Shillington, Pennsylvania. This is what I love about Fred, right? You can actually drive through Shillington and pick up stuff that you might not be able to get anywhere else live and in person. But let's be honest, who the hell is driving through Shillington, Pennsylvania? Let me tell you who. Not a lot of people. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's why a lot of us, depending on where we are in the country, have to shop online. If we're being honest with ourselves, we know that shopping online is kind of a tricky experience. You might see good prices on one website, you're all giddy and excited like a kid in Christmas. You place your order, and then you realize five, six, seven weeks after you place that order that, yeah, the price was great, but guess what? That company was fly-by-night, and they're out of business, and they took your cash, or... They're legitimate business. They just really have no way of securing the item that you bought for a price at a price that they're going to be able to match and make money on. So you're just going to sit on back order all day long and twice on Sunday. Not Fred. Fred has a superior inventory. It's all stocked out there in Shillington, Pennsylvania. He's going to give you a great competitive price. He is going to ship it promptly. And then he is going to give you support after the fact. Nothing's worse than getting a piece of equipment from somebody. Realizing I don't have the mental wherewithal, the brain capacity to put this thing to work to make me a more efficient or more uh, effective barbecue and griller. Well, this is what's great about dealing with Fred's Music and Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply Company. You get something, you don't realize how you can use it, you place that phone call or you send that email right over to Fred him or one of his many knowledgeable staff members will help you right there. They'll help you so you can make use and benefit out of that item that you just purchased. Nobody hates more than me purchasing something that you don't end up using because you just can't figure it out. I hate that. You can call Fred at 800-677-2882. You can also visit him at tastylicksbbq.com or if you're a musician, fredsmusic.com is a place you can go for strings and guitars and all that other stuff. Fred, he's a longtime sponsor of the show. Check him out. Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ. TastyLicksBBQ.com coming back with the doctor.
2: Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: All right, coming up on 14 past the hour, this portion of the show being brought to you by me.
2: That's right. Yeah!
0: Alright, without any further ado, let's figure out uh, let's grab my guest here. Hold on. It's Dr. Barbecue, ladies and gentlemen. Ray, what's up, Ray? Hi Greg. Where's my music? What do you mean? It's I'm playing it right now! Okay, good. I I, like the big intro. I might have switched it up a little bit. I went rock and roll train instead of uh, highway to hell. My apologies. It's a little, you know. I got to stay up with the kids these days, right? You got to be hip. You got to be on the uh, on the on the cusp of technology, knowledge, and music. Otherwise, you're fading fast.
1: Yeah, I try, but I'm, I'm getting pretty old to be doing that, i got to be honest. Don't worry,
0: you're uh, you're still the only guest that has its own uh, entrance theme, much like Stone Cold Steve Austin and the WWF. right? It's been a while since we have talked, and we're going to be uh, talking about some new endeavors that you have coming up. But look, no one knows better than you that uh, Thanksgiving is coming up here in just over a week, and we could talk about the old run-of-the-mill stuff as far as how you're going to do turkeys on the grill or on the smoker. But let's forget about that. Let's throw mainstream, middle of the road stuff to the wall and go right into the potential of burning houses and neighborhoods down with deep frying turkeys. First and foremost, do you like deep frying turkeys? Do you like eating them? Do you like making
1: them? Honestly, it's not my favorite. I, I, I dig the whole event of it, you know, but, but if it comes down to eating it, I like to have a little better control of the turkey. Because once it's in that oil, man, you know, you're just drinking. It's on its own. Um, either light your porch on fire or the turkey comes out at some point and you eat whatever comes out of there. Where, where in the smoker, you got a better opportunity to really be keeping track of what the temp is. You can kind of shield it a little bit with foil. And you can do different things, you know. But I do appreciate the whole event of it, and I like it. I, I, it's not my favorite way to cook, but, man, I, I don't disagree with it at all. I'm a little disappointed they now have these things, they're a little safer than they used to be, so you don't see quite as many good videos of the guys burning their house down, but but I guess that's a
0: good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, now that you can do them indoors from what I saw in the last infomercial when I was at work the other day, like you said, I'm a little disappointed that we're not seeing as, as many uh, lava spit flowing and houses burning up and decks being lost to people that aren't very smart and taking their time. And I guess that's why, you know, all kidding aside, I wanted to have this segment with you, Ray, when we're talking about deep frying turkeys. Uh, We know it cooks faster. There's probably different tastes and and flavor profiles, but probably it's the the most dangerous way to cook the holiday bird. So before we get into your suggestions on how you prep it, get it ready for the oil bath, all that stuff, how about some safety tips that you've learned or that you have talked to folks uh, about trying to make it as safe as possible for those people, especially the first-timers?
1: Well, you know, you got to read the directions. You know, there's a line always on those pots that tells you where to put the oil. And, you know, pay attention to that. Don't just guess and overfill it. That's a big mistake people make. The other mistake people make is dropping it in there. Or partially frozen, and that just blows the oil up. You know, people are just intimidated by turkeys because it weighs 15 pounds or 20 pounds. It's not that big of a deal. You know, once you cook a few of them, it's not that big of a deal. So don't be scared of it. Get it defrosted, get the oil hot, know what the temperature is of the oil. Don't guess. If it's too high, don't put it in there wear shoes don't get too drunk before you put it in there uh, these are these are common sense tips you know don't have your children nearby um let's see anything else
0: now do you think the
1: that propane tank away when we're talking about
0: intimidation of turkey or people being intimidated by the bird do you think that also has to do with the fact that and maybe i'm painting with too broad of a stroke here ray and, and call me out if you think i am A lot of people only have turkey maybe like twice or three times a year, Uh, definitely Thanksgiving for the most part, Uh, typically, again, on Christmas. But after that, it's pretty much slim picking, so it's not one of those things that you're used to doing all the time, like, uh, you know, ribs or chicken or or some of the other stuff that's more run-of-the-mill.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I actually really like turkey, but honestly, if I cook a half a dozen a year, and I like turkey, so you're right, it, it People are intimidated by it. And then on top of it, you know, it's the guy who cooks a turkey once a year, literally, or maybe cooked the first one in his life, you know. I've always felt that frying turkeys was like, uh, mom likes that because it gets the turkey and the whole mess outside. It leaves the oven up to her to to take care of everything else. So you got a guy out there who cooks once a year. He doesn't really know what he's doing, you know. And that's where the danger comes in, I think, for sure. It's a... And you're right. We don't cook turkeys often. Think about the first time you cooked a 15 pound brisket or or a 10 pound pork butt. It's intimidating a big piece of meat. Um, I I go through this a lot with people. They want to know how to cook brisket. And the first thing I tell them is don't go buy a three pound piece of brisket at the grocery store that looks like a flank steak. That's not a brisket. But they're just intimidated by a, a 12 or 15 pound piece of meat. And I think it's the same with turkey. And it's a macho thing to get out there and do it, but but you need to read up a little bit. There's, my God, there's so much info on the Internet about how to do it right. There's no excuse to not get your turkey done pretty well.
0: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Website, by the way, drbbq.com. Follow him on Twitter as well, at drbbq. And we're going to be talking about the new book, Do Out Next May Slow Fire, here in just a little bit. So when we uh, talk about safety, obviously, you know, keep away from wood. As you said, don't be too intoxicated. Maybe not even intoxicated at all. Maybe you want to wait for that after you pull it out of the oil. Uh, Make sure that anything flammable is not in the way. All great tips. So let's assume that we're not as dumb as most people on video, and we've made (laughs) sure that our area is safe. Now let's talk about actually prepping the bird you had mentioned, that you want to make sure that this bird is thawed out all the way. But how about some other good preparatory tips before we get it in the oil?
1: I really do like one of the things that came out of the turkey frying fad is injecting these turkeys with Creole butter. And I'm a big fan of that. I actually made a couple. We did a video for the BigGreenEgg.com the other day. I don't know when they're going to get it up, but I injected one with Creole butter. I cooked two turkey breasts, and I'm a big fan of that. And I very well might use that this week for my turkey at home. Um, Or, of course, you can use the Scotty's scotty johnson version of the creole butter i always have to plug that for scotty he's got such a good cause there i put that recipe i think in every book i've ever written and actually i just put it up on my uh facebook page on the dr barbecue facebook page so if you want scotty's homemade creole butter recipe it's there uh, but i like the stuff out of a jar too i honestly do uh, i don't know what's in it You know, it doesn't seem to be real butter or anything. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think it's good stuff. So I like to do that. It gives it an interesting taste. It's not too spicy. It doesn't really offend anybody. And that's something that came out of frying. When we first learned about the guys in Louisiana frying these turkeys in the big pot, that also came along with that they were injecting them. And, and of course, injecting has become a big part of what us barbecue guys do nowadays. Um, But that's the first time I remember hearing about it was those turkey guys.
0: Now, have you been a accustomed to rubbing down the bird at all, or is that pretty much going to be burning off when you drop it in the oil, or per- perhaps will it cook on and add in it? A- always
1: put it on there. I think I'd be careful of putting anything that's got a lot of color to it. I wouldn't want a, a barbecue rub with a lot of chili powder or paprika. Uh, typically, I think the uh, folks in Louisiana would use salt and a little bit of cayenne. and Yeah, I would do that. You don't want to not season stuff.
0: All right, now would you? I've heard that people that evidently these people are very safe that do this. They're going to get their turkey. They'll leave it wrapped, especially if it's frozen. But even I'm sure there's ways to protect a, a fresh turkey that is not frozen or that is thawed. And you fill your uh, pot up with water up to the fill line, and then put the turkey in and kind of see where everything. Because obviously, you know, you got to keep in mind that when you put that turkey in the pot, that's going to raise the level of the oil.
1: Yeah, it sure
0: is. So it, it probably that, wouldn't, that, yeah, be a, wouldn't be the worst target. idea to do a test uh, a, a test run with water just to see you know where the submersion level is is raising when you drop that burden.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the safest way for sure. Make sure you dry everything off real well though, because a wet pot with hot oil or a wet turkey with hot oil is a problem. So make sure you dry everything off well. Um, but typically, there's a line on those pots. Now they got these new pots that have got a a big overflow area on top. Have you seen those? No, I haven't seen those. Yeah, it's almost like they put a wider pot on top, <laughs> like a big overflow area, and it certainly makes it a lot safer. It's a good idea. I, saw, I think last year I started seeing those, and that'd be the way to go. But yeah, the dropping it into water is by far the safest way. But make sure you got a whole lot of extra space. If you ever drop something in hot oil, there's a whole bunch of bubbling and, yeah. and growing coming up. So just because... You you've got it in there with the water. Don't run the water all the way up to the top. I'd leave myself literally six inches from the top.
0: All right. So once you have it all uh, injected, if you are going to be adding rub, you do all that. Uh, what type of an oil temperature are you looking for when you are going to be cooking the bird? Three
1: twenty-five for dropping it. You can raise it up to three fifty if you if you want to once it's going, but you got to be really careful dropping it in there. That's the critical time. So for me, three twenty-five.
0: And do you have a, a estimate on hours per or minutes per pound when you're doing turkey?
1: I think it's like two or three minutes a pound. I, oh. I don't have that offhand, but it's quick. So a 15-pounder, I think, uh, like 30 to 45 minutes. Quite
0: a substantial cutoff time versus the traditional oven, of course, uh, but you're, you're cooking in a completely different fashion. Now, we're cooking it now, so we're going to get into the cooking portion. Once the oil is ready, the bird season is ready, you put it in the oil. As you said, you've got to be careful when you're dropping it down because you're bubbling up and all this other stuff. But I would imagine that maintaining that temperature during the cook, when you add that bird, it's going to, it's not going to be 325 degrees right off the bat, so there's probably going to be, or is it safe to assume, there's going to be an initial drop in that oil temperature? And then how do you want to maintain or increase it during the cook?
1: Yeah, definitely. When you first drop that turkey in, uh, first, what I do is get a, a broomstick and another person, and that way nobody's standing directly over the pot. I think that's really important. And drop it in a little at a time. Drop it, pick it back up. Because it takes kind of temper the oil. The oil temperature definitely will go down. but But that's why you want to have a good burner, because then you want to turn it up just a little bit right away, as soon as the turkey goes in, and get your temp back up to 325 and then even 350.
0: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show, talking about deep frying turkeys for this coming uh, Thanksgiving Edathon that'll be just over a week away. Is there anything else you need to be doing during the cooking process, Ray? That you can think of?
1: Uh, no, it, it's it's pretty basic and pretty quick once it's in there. That have your thermopen nearby, and and after the short end of when you think it might be done, pop it out of there and stick the thermopen in it. Once everything's rolling along and it's cooking, it's really not very dangerous because now you've gotten past the, the critical point. So pe- pick it up out of there and stick your thermopin in it and know. Because just like anything else, it, the way you screw stuff up is by overcooking it. So pull it out of there and take its temperature deep down in the thigh and deep down in the, by the wing joint in the white meat and see what you got. Because um, if you overcook it, it doesn't matter how you what, what means you did to overcook it. If you overcook it, it's not going to be good
0: absolutely not serving the bird is that going to be pretty much standard fare whether you're doing it on the grill doing it in the oven doing it out of a a fryer is there anything that or perhaps let's let me ask it to you in this way how do you like to carve a bird for family and friends
1: oh where they're not looking (laughs) (laughs) because it never goes well no you don't like it i don't mind doing it i just at some point i just start tearing it off the carcass with my hands and you put all that stuff on the bottom of the platter and you lay a pretty slices on top make sure the legs are prominently displayed because they always look nice but i can get it carved but i just don't I, it's not a pretty situation there's there's stuff flying everywhere so i like to try and do it in the kitchen and bring it out on a big platter
0: all right, so what kind of a meat guy are you? Do you are you a, a non-discriminatory uh, chicken or a poultry eater when it comes to the turkey? Are you dark, you're white meat, you're leg guy, wing guy, breast guy? What do you
1: like? Normally dark meat. I'm always a dark meat guy, but in a turkey, when the white meat is really good, I like it. And if you get it just right, uh, one of the tricks I've been doing for a smoker and probably would work well for the frying too is, is putting a big pack of ice on the breast for about an hour before it goes in. Um, let the dark meat kind of warm up and keep that white meat as cold as you can and that way because otherwise usually the white meat ends up getting done before the dark and that's not good so i've been trying to cool it down to help hmm. so you're actually so if you get the white meat just right i like it but not i'm having a dark meat
0: yeah how many times have you tried to ice down that breast to kind of you're, I mean, you're almost getting two different temperatures as it's going into the cooker then
1: well, that's the whole point, yeah. because the white meat's done at 160, no higher. And the dark meat is done at 180, maybe you can get away at 175 if you let it rest for a long time. But that's And plus the dark meat is down there with all the bones, so it usually takes the longest to get done. It's sort of opposite of what it should be. So I want the white meat really cold going in. That's kind of the whole point.
0: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show, Dr. Barbecue. DrBBQ.com is the website. Again, follow him on Twitter if you want to, at drBBQ. You can also find him on Facebook. All right, uh, Ray, as we kind of uh, put a bow on this Thanksgiving deep fried turkey, anything else that you want to uh, mention about deep frying turkeys or specific sides or anything like
1: that? Yeah, well, one of the things, I just ran across this today. Um, I don't know if you know John at Patio Daddy-o, but I've heard of he, him. Okay, I figured you had. Did you see that sauce he's got on his blog today? No, I missed it. He made sort of a cranberry orange thin holiday kind of a barbecue sauce to put on your turkey, and I like that. It's you know it's always a challenge with a fried turkey or even a smoked turkey to what do you do? Do you you serve barbecue sauce? Do you serve traditional gravy? Uh, Both, or what do you do? And that stuff that John made, I think, is really interesting, and I'm going to try that this year.
0: All right, so there you go. Check out uh, com for a nice deep-fried turkey thin sauce, if you're so inclined. All right, Ray, so let's go ahead and transition out of that. i got a couple other topics that I'd like to hit with you, depending on you know, where we're at. How are you fit for time? If I, if I had to carry over for another segment, could you do that or no?
1: Um, yeah, I'm fine, Greg. i got nothing to
0: do. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the newest venture that you have coming out. It's going to be coming out May 2012. Yet another book. Slow Fire, which is going to be geared more towards the beginner barbecue cook. What number of book is this going to be? Right, like uh, seventeen or eighteen now?
1: <laughs> now? it's only six, but it seems like seventeen. That's for sure. All
0: right. So, the, uh, what's the concept actually, of the book?
1: Good. What's the concept
0: of the book? Where does it come about? Why? Why this kind of a topic?
1: Actually, it was the publisher's idea. You know, the the publisher kind of likes me, and they like what I've done in the past, but. You can only write so many barbecue books. And, of course, we were, did the tailgate and cookbook, and and Ribs, chopsticks, Steaks, and Wings is a little creative kind of spin on it. And other than that, they don't really know what to do with me. And I know how to cook other stuff, but, you know, I'm Dr. Barbecue. Nobody wants to hire me for a soup cooking cookbook. And uh, the publisher was their idea to – he said all the barbecue books are written as hero books. You know, I am the master of all barbecue, and this is how you do it. And, and they're Right and they said let's write something that is more for a guy who's trying to learn how to cook barbecue there's a lot of people really interested but they're sort of intimidated by this other stuff and and i thought it was a pretty good idea i didn't use any smoker over a thousand bucks and really it's it's all it's real smoking and i used a weber and i used an egg and i used a cook jack and i used a even a stovetop smoker and um oh gosh i forget what else a kettle i think and and it was for the home guy that really is trying to learn from the ground up. And I think it's going to be well received. Where where are you in the process right now? Oh, I've been done with it for almost a year. My God, uh-huh. they've messed around with the thing for a year. Getting the picture right, the uh, design, the cover, the editing, and the editing, and editing, and editing. And then they finally get it printed, and they're not even printed yet. I've been done with it probably last February, actually
0: all right so i mean we're coming up on a year i have no idea how this stuff works i'm fascinated by tv i'm fascinated by photography i'm fascinated by guys that write books like yourself and of course the guy that you introduced me to maybe a year and a half ago ted reader who, who probably has uh, penned 75 books at this point and he's <laughs> got like, he two more yes. books coming out next year as well um when you, how do you make the book? I mean, what what is the process? When Are they saying, okay, Ray, we're going to do this kind of a book. Here's the theme. Have at it. Do you have a certain amount of time? Are you meeting deadlines every week, every month? Are you handwriting it out? Are you typing it out? How does this whole process work? It's fascinating.
1: Well, the way I do it is I'm responsible only for the words, uh, the design and the pictures and everything. Teddy does it a little differently, but the way I do it is this. But it starts depending on the project. The last one was their idea, so they approached us, and they had a real short deadline. I'm in the process of proposing one right now. matter of fact, I just sent the proposal off to my agent today, and it's my idea. So we now have to go out there and sell it. And when it's sold, then we'll discuss the time frame, and it'll be tough again. But for me, I want to work on it in the winter, and they need basically a year to to bring it to market and of course anytime i'm doing a book they want to have it come out in the spring so i'm probably going to be up against it in the old days they'd give you an, a year year and a half nowadays if i get six months i'm left.
0: wow so uh certainly kind of a, a quick t- depending on how it is though i guess uh so it's
1: well, the job you know and it, you you got to get it done in a certain amount of time for me it's Once I get started, like right now I'm working on for this next project, I can't really talk about it, but I start writing down recipe titles. There's a number in mine, it'll be 75 recipes, 140, whatever it may be, and I start writing these titles down, and then I sort of build up on that, uh, itemize them into chapters somehow legibly, and then start coming up with a plan for the book. Often I'll write the intro and the intros to the chapters before I even start cooking. I've got these recipe titles as placeholders and then comes the time it's time to start cooking and I'll fill the house with ingredients, everything known to man, and start cooking it. Some of the recipes I have an idea what I wanted to do. Some just come left field when you're there. Some the title just doesn't work. I had one floating around I wanted to do for years, hot octane sloppy jokes. (laughs) And I finally got around to doing it and it worked out good that day. Sometimes I'll have an idea like that. And it's just not even. Ed- you got to start all over. So, it's a big adventure.
0: Absolutely, Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. We're going to pick him up here after this uh, quick break because I wanted to tell you about uh, one of the newer sponsors to the show, Dave Bosca Butcher Barbecue. You'll know Dave because if you are a fan of the show, you heard him on the show uh, second hour a couple weeks ago and really blew the top off of certified Angus beef. Flipped his gourd. Pretty much, And what was funny about that is that held true for me two weeks later when I was out, just this past Friday night, downtown Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City at uh, Pickwick and Frolic. And we ordered uh, some steak, but prominently displayed right on the television, or I'm sorry, right on the table was certified Angus beef and all this promotional stuff. I handed it to the waitress. I said, look, go back and tell your chef this is bull crap. Because I trust my butcher and he told me, "Ah -ah, it's just a gimmick, get out of here. And I told her to take 10 bucks off my steak because I knew they were overcharging me. That's why you got to trust your butcher. That's why you need to go to butcherbbq.com. You got to check out their brilliant line of brisket injections, pork injections. They have uh, rubs. They have barbecue sauce, sweet barbecue sauce, which I may or may not try at some point this evening live on camera. Let me tell you about a little product that is new to the market, revolutionizing how you are tasting your beef, your poultry, your pork chops, your ribs, whatever. It's called grill. What's great about grill is it's going to give you that grilling, grilled flavor that you normally get, like from your grill. But you don't have to use it. You can put it in the oven. You can put it in a pan. It's both an injection and a marinade. You can use it just as a marinade on its own. You can use it just as an injection on its own. Or you can throw caution to the wind. And you can both marinade and then inject whatever it is with this grill injection slash marinade. It's completely revolutionizing how you're going to be tasting food. Look, let me impress upon you the importance of this. Grill works phenomenally well with turkey. So hurry up. And head over to ButcherBBQ.com so you can make sure that you get grill injection in time for the holidays. If you're going to make two turkeys, make one with, make one without. And watch everybody at your table get the one with the grill. Sorry, the one without is just going to have to be turkey soup later on. Do yourself a favor. Get some grill for that turkey this Thanksgiving. But you're going to have to do it quickly. Remember... You got that special pricing as well from Butcher Barbecue. Any order that is $55 or less ships for $7. It's USPS priority, so you know you're going to get it by the end of the week if you do it today. ButcherBBQ.com. More with Ray Lampy in just a second.
2: Smoke. Call 877 433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy.
1: <laughs> Big P, New Band, Let's go! I'm an outlaw. One. Give me two shots. One. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox for my outlaws. One. Bring me three shots. One. We can raise him before the speed stops. I'm a whiskey drinkin' S.O.B. If you don't like that, then you won't like me. I'm an outlaw.
0: I said I'm an outlaw. All right, we are back. And you people don't think I told that waitress. I knew what the, what time it was after Dave lectured us on the travesty that certified Angus Beef. Uh, Ray, did you have any idea that certified Angus Beef was such a travesty and a marketing ploy?
1: No, I've been a fan. I thought it was good.
0: Well, maybe maybe it's not necessarily the fact that it's not good, but uh... how it is marketed versus what the percentages of of allowability to call it certified angus beef are drastically different
1: Well, my, my understanding always was that certified angus beef was an actual program and i talked to guys who told me they were actually in the slaughterhouse picking the better animals of choice the the concept of it being angus and that mattering i didn't think was a big deal now david certainly knows more about this than i do but I've always thought that they got screwed by everybody that started talking about Mr. Angus and Angus Pride and, and Angus this and Angus that. When my what guys used to tell me was it didn't really, Angus wasn't necessarily a better cow. It was just a cool name.
0: Angus Young probably has a, an issue with that as well from ACDC. Go back and listen to the uh, episode that uh, Dave Bosco was in. It was probably two or three weeks ago in the second hour, I'm telling you. And it just so happened. It was like one of those things where I mentioned Cab, and he flipped. Mm -hmm. It was like a a Jerry Springer. It was one of the best uh, segments on the show ever. And... uh, what can I say? I look forward to it. Definitely David worth a list. Absolutely. So. It was one of the best segments ever. All right, so we're talking about your new book, Ray, that's going to be out uh, May 2012, or I guess tentatively out May 2012, who, who actually knows how the releases go. It's going to be called Slow no, they, Fight.
1: They they're on that.
0: All right, that's this around. is for sure. Well, I mean, it's been sitting around for almost a year, so I would hope so. But by the time this thing uh, actually gets out, uh, you probably could have made substantial updates to it, right? <laughs> well.
1: You, you try not to do anything that will have that situation. The barbecue road trip I did a couple years ago, that happened. Uh, but in this case, no, I don't think that's a I do get a – I can tweak it along the way, too. Probably been put to bed for four or five months.
0: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. All right, so what are your favorite parts of the book, Ray? What do you like?
1: Um, well, the picture of me is good. Of course. That goes without saying. <laughs> I like the concept that we're we're taking the bare bones of it, you know, and and using these home-style cookers. Because every one of us, and I'm as guilty as anybody, just keep it gets bigger and bigger and, frankly, more intimidating to the regular guy. And, honestly, the concept of using a stovetop smoker was their idea, but it was fun to play with. Uh, Oh, I don't know that I'm a huge fan, but if you're in New York in an apartment and that's all you got, it's better than no barbecue.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you got to know that. Um, there's, there's a lot of, let's say, beginner books, and you said a lot of them are geared towards hero. You're just kind of helping people out. Where do you think you, you fit in the niche of people that are getting into this? They might hear this interview down the road. Uh, something that they definitely want to go on. But are they going to get like a lot of good recipes or just a, a bunch of uh, how-tos, more or less?
1: Yeah, both. It really the recipes were almost an afterthought. Once you get past, um, you know, ways to cook pork, but ways to cook a brisket, now you have to get a little creative. Uh, and I made a, but there's a great recipe in there for Cuban pork oh. picnic that uh, mm. is something we like to eat down here in Florida oh, a lot. There's it. a pastrami recipe. There's a smoked duck recipe. So I was able to do some good recipes, but. The, the core of the book for me is how to cook ribs and chicken and pork shoulder and brisket. And, and then, of course, you can't do a cookbook with eight recipes, so you have to do some others as well. And I think there's some fun ones in there.
0: Ray Lampe joining us here on the show. All right, Ray. I'm going to have to ask you about this because I'm getting a bunch of email all of a sudden. Something about uh, international initiative goods. What do you know about this?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I know. I, I, I saw the the uh agenda for the board meeting i guess about five weeks ago and saw that they were suggesting spending ten thousand dollars as an international initiative and wayne loman and bill gage were going to be part of it and then it listed two folks that i didn't know and i don't i still don't even know their names it's right or somewhere but to be doing the cooking classes and i, and I thought that wasn't right i thought that we should I think it's a good idea. I think I think we should send somebody over there that is a bonafide KCBS cook that has won contests that these guys over there might have heard of. So I sent a letter to the board saying that I would be interested in doing that, and I thought that they should do something more along those lines. And I sort of volunteered myself. Um, <laughs> I since talked to Wayne Lohman and, and found out that they were paying their own travel, but I, think I often do that as well. Uh, And I talked to Wayne, and we left it as, okay, we'll we'll see. After the board approved that happening. So then the following meeting, Don Harwell, a board member, said that he didn't like the way they had kind of blown it off. My letter had been there before the meeting, so he brought it back up and made a motion that they include me. And after discussion, I was down, and Wayne was one of the people that voted against me. Uh, A whole bunch of board members came up absent, abstaining, and... I was kind of upset about it. I think they should get got a fair shake. But it's not really personal. Um, I have, I have some, a lot of contacts in Europe. and I could probably have a KCBS conference in England next year if we really wanted to do it. But it bothers me that we could do something like this. You know, I don't know how much money they're going to spend. They, they, they've been waffling on that. But I think that we should do it right. I think we're going to do an initiative into Europe. Let's get serious about it and do it right. Let's have a plan. Let's use key people. If Wayne and Bill have got contracts, they're great, but let's incorporate some other people. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm pretty sure I'm out of it at this point. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And
0: this is just trying to bring across American-style barbecue just to a different country.
1: It, well, I guess I, my, my motivation would be to have them Somehow we start having similar contests over there, and maybe KCBS contests happen in Europe. And uh, I would think it would open a door for some additional sponsorship. and I think it could be a big thing over there. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. I, I don't know what their their motivations are. Their their are.
0: So I mean, if we're so, who are these people that are going to be going over there that we don't we don't know? These cooks these no names I
1: I honestly don't know they're from Memphis they're in Memphis area I honestly don't know
0: hmm right. well uh, I mean honestly that's something that I didn't really know about but I was getting a couple questions so I figured I would ask you about that
1: Um, yeah well we talked about it a lot on the you know around the internet the last few days I'm kind of upset and I want to make sure people knew frankly I want to make sure people in Europe know you know there was a proposal made for me to be part of this team and possibly go over there and Instead, they're going to get a couple coming to cook that nobody knows. Now, I, what, I, what I heard at the board meeting was that now the focus has a lot to do with judging classes, Then um, why, if you look at the original motion, it includes this couple of cooks. In it. And I feel bad that they're getting worked through the ringer because that, I don't know that they have anything to do with it or they don't know. But um, I just think, and if it's not me, fine. You know, bad Byron, with James, and last year to this cook-off. I was helping run, and he won the contest. Arvin be a great right? Um Hell, you want to dig Paul out and <laughs> send him over there? That wouldn't be a bad idea. You would appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of good choices. That. Some folks from Memphis that nobody ever heard about. I don't think it's a
0: good All right, so we do want to make sure, though, that this isn't Ray Lampe and Sour grapes though,
1: right? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed that it's not me and then won't be fair about it trying to work something out so i i guess to some degree it is but it's disappointment but if they had a solid plan with other people i'd be okay with that too you know uh, contrary to popular belief i do share the stage pretty often and as long as it's good people i don't mind at all
0: ray lampe joining us here on the show all right Ray. since we're on the kcbs topic we obviously have board of directors votes are going to be coming up here shortly uh, you've been around KCBS a number of years. You've served on uh, the you know the board in a number of different ways. Uh, you know a lot of people that are serving on there, former, past, uh, current, whatnot. Where do you think they sit overall right now uh, as a whole? And do you like the direction they're moving in forward? Do you like the fact that there is a, a a ticket that is getting some groundswell support from around different internet forums? You know, for guys that are going to be looking to to take seats.
1: Yes, I'm voting for those four guys um, I There's only one incumbent running, it's Gene Glekochia Gene's a good guy I, I feel bad that he is kind of going to get lost in the shuffle, but I'm a big fan of these four guys going in I think we have to somehow get the thing changed over a little bit. The good old boy network is clearly still in effect. We we we're seeing it right now, and it's time to try and change something. And I think these four guys will. So I'm a big fan of this. I'm gonna vote for them. Um Steve Farron, George from Texas, um, Dave from Iowa, and Jeff Stiss from Missouri. I'm voting for those four guys for sure. Um sorry, like I said, Gene's getting kind of the odd man out. Gene's a good guy. And there's some other good people running, too. But I like the idea that these guys have. We're going to work as a team. Hell, everybody's doing it anyway. There's all these different factions. These are the only guys being honest about it. You know, there's clearly factions. I can tell you that the international initiative thing was the most, the original motion was made by Mark Simmons from Nebraska to, and he had nothing to do with it. It was for Wayne and Bill, Bill Gage and, and, and Carolyn was involved somehow, and Mark had nothing to do with it, and he just, best I can tell, made the motion sort of, you know, as a favor. And I, I, Nothing against Mark personally, but, man, that's the same old, same old. And so I'm for these four guys. I'm voting for them, and I hope everybody does.
0: How do you think Candy Weaver has done as her first term as president?
1: I think she's doing the best she can. It's rough out there. You know, poor Candy, I... I I don't think I'd want to be in the middle of that. I feel sorry for her. I think she has the best intentions. It's just a tough, tough situation to work within because there's just so many different factions and so many influences. Um, you know, it's the whole thing is kind of backwards of what it ought to be. The executive director should be working for the board, and I don't believe it goes that way over there. So I, I think Candy's in a tough spot. I think she's doing a good job as she can.
0: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Ray, one more question before I let you go, and this is kind of going to be a big change of gears. You know, The first time I interviewed <laughs> you was probably five, six, seven years ago. It was a podcast, completely different show. It was a big show on Ray Lampy. Who are you? How did you get where you are? And you know, I was kind of going back, listening to some old podcasts, and you know, I re-listened to that one, realized how much I did like that. And I'm wondering now, uh, you know, we're going into the fourth year of this live show, and Ray was a truck driver in Chicago, closed the business, you went down to Florida, was vending out of some parking lots, you were doing these cooking classes, started writing books. You, you really became the quintessential barbecue man. You, you've been able to make, you know, some semblance of uh, life and, and what many would term a successful career out of barbecue. What yeah, the true. hell would have happened if you didn't be a success?
1: <laughs> you know, I wonder about that. Did you Did you have too. a
0: contingency plan that when you got down to Fort, everything failed, what would Ray do?
1: No, I mean, this is the contingency plan. <laughs> the plan was to sell barbecue in the parking lot for seven, eight months of the year, and travel the country the other four, just doing as I please, cooking in contests. That was the plan. It wasn't working, so this is the contingency plan. Um, what i'll tell you is if you're going to be an entrepreneur you better have a you better have cast iron balls you know um i don't know what would have happened you know i worry about that a lot of times i still worry about it i'm a lot more famous than i am wealthy and and it's the life of an entrepreneur though you know if you don't have them cast iron balls man you better stay working at the factory or selling what is that shit you sell trucking (laughs) contracts cell phones (laughs) okay whatever Right. I mean, it's just the life of an entrepreneur. It's, you know, I, if you're looking like, if you're thinking like that, you better stay in a stable situation. I was lucky I didn't have a family and I, I any family obligations and I was just in the right place at the right time in my life. And, and you know, now I, I, things are a little different. I don't know if I would have made the same decisions now. It looks like it worked out pretty good. I'm certainly having a good time and, and I appreciate the nice way you said how I've done it, but i I don't know man this is the backup plan i don't know what would happen if it failed i i guess i'd probably be working at some barbecue joint for 10 bucks an hour hating my life
0: (laughs) so i'm glad uh, it didn't work out like that ray lampey a multiple time author he is a competition uh, cooking class instructor executive chef for big green i mean the list goes on and on uh one of the most successful guys out there in barbecue always appreciate the time ray thanks for coming on tonight
1: And non-European contingent. Of
0: course, non-European. I'm going to add that to my resume. Most importantly, but uh, again, always appreciate the time.
1: Take care, Greg. Good to see you.
0: There he is. The doctor is in, baby. Bring it strong at the end. Watch out. International contingency. Have to look that up. Uh, Your host has been banned from certain websites. (laughs) stuff. Banned. Hey, uh, Draper's Barbecue is a third-generation barbecue company located in western Kentucky in between Memphis and Kansas City. Shane Draper has created a line of products that represent both cities as well as the flavor profiles of his home. Draper's Smoking Sauce is a savory with a touch of sweetness and tangy with some heat. Its balanced yet complex blend of spices is at home on the competition trail and grilling in your backyard. Draper's Barbecue also has a fantastically versatile seasoning known simply as AP Rub. The AP, of course, short for All Purpose, as it is a great flavor enhancer on any protein, but it can be used on popcorn and french fries, salads, onion rings, soups, chowders, check mix, baked potatoes, and of course in dredges for frying fish and chicken. Really, your imagination is its only limitation. AP Rub's balance of savory, salty, sweet, and heat make it great on virtually anything. Now, Smoke & Sauce and AP Rub are great products standing alone, but they really shine when used together. The mix of these two products will keep the judges thinking about your entry long after they have put it down. Hell, they might even go back for second and third bites. You just never know. Don't miss this opportunity to claim your limited edition Drapers Barbecue Christmas gift box only available at DrapersBBQ.com there will only be 75 made available to the general consuming public the box includes a large stainless steel rub shaker a bottle of smoking sauce a pound of all purpose rub and free recipes hand picked by Shane himself All included in a beautiful gift box, ready to slap a big name tag on and slide under the tree, baby. Check the website this week for ordering details. You can also find Draper's products online at drapersbbq.com, bbqaddicts.com, or at BBQProShop.com. Dot com. All of these places, trusted Draper's resources, so check them out. Draper's Barbecue is always looking for local stores in your area as well to stock their stuff. Email Shane at info at drapersbbq.com. With your info, your tip could lead you to earning some free swag from Draper's. Draper's Barbecue, folks, when they say three generations of pride and flavor in a bottle, they damn mean it. That's right, drapersbbq.com. We're going to come back and wrap up the first hour, A little react to Dr. Barbecue, and then it's the second hour with Shane Draper himself. Stick around.
2: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: Right, right, four minutes till the top of the hour. Let's uh, go ahead and wrap up a little bit. We had uh, Ray Lampion for two segments. Right now, my barbecue tasting of Bart Butcher in jeopardy. In jeopardy now. We're going to go with Shane right off the top of the hour as well. So be prepared for any and all of that. A uh, few things as far as Ray's appearances concerned, things that I would like to react to. First, if you are going to do the deep frying of the turkey, again, safety out of all the different cooking methods, safety really is paramount here. Don't do it on anything that is wood. Don't do it anywhere that is considered to be flammable. Don't have your propane tanks very close to your uh, pot burners or anything like that. Make sure that you go ahead and do the dry run with the water in the bucket. But again, as Ray said, make sure that you are taking care and remembering that when you go ahead and drop that turkey in for real in the oil, there's going to be bubbling and spackling and smattering and all that other happy horse crap that happens when you're frying anything, but this is obviously going to be on a much bigger scale. I mean, we're talking about 12, 13, 14, 15 pounds, maybe bigger depending on what kind of a poultry eater you are. Be careful with this stuff. Make sure that turkey is patted down as dry as you can get it. I don't know if you've ever, just for fun, put water in hot oil. That doesn't go over very well, so make sure that you take ultimate care with that. Uh, And again... I like carving turkeys, uh, taking off uh, the breast myself and, and you know the, the major uh, joints and whatnot, uh, the legs and the thighs and the wings. and then I like to cut down either side of that uh, breast bone and taking out the breast whole. <laughs> and then cutting it uh, right there in front of everybody so that way they can get uh, whatever size breast they want uh, to eat for themselves. Tell me what size breast you would like. I will make that size breast happen for you. It's almost like I'm a plastic surgeon on Thanksgiving Day in some regards and in uh, in some families. So uh, that's what I like to do when it's my time to carve. Again, I can't speak confidently on this whole international KCBS ambassador thing. Guess I'll have to be doing some more digging. Maybe we'll have some future interviews about that. Maybe anybody over there knows a little bit more than anybody that lives over in England. Except Mad Cow. How about Mad Cow? Love Mad Cow, man. Those guys changed the game for the Jack Davis. Uh, There you go. DRBBQ.com. At DRBBQ is the Twitter. And uh, we'll come back with Shane Draper.
1: My
0: intention. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show.
1: We cook because we have to, and we
0: grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs>
1: You have a great show. I'm a big fan. So, what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and
3: he's in the in the crackle. It's all about the Charbonneau, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wiener. Oh, shake a chickpea. I'm shaking like a dog shipped peach seeds.
0: <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills.
3: I just like being anywhere with junior,
0: senior, and diva. It's
3: like a movie. Yeah, really.
1: Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh,
0: tough men. All right, just like that, we are now in the second hour. Thanks again to Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, for joining me. Deep-frying turkey. Give it a try. Be safe. Don't be sorry. You could be sorry if you're not safe. Let's just say it like that. All right, let's go ahead and uh, race right over the hotline. I think it's safe to say, I did that uh, a little too quickly. I think it's safe to say that at some point during our quest in making the best barbecue we could possibly make, we all get into this making our own sauce and rubs. And some of us realize that while it's a great concept, the true reality is that it's something we might not be good at all. So we turn to the market to buy This some is Bobby. Great- and this is Jennifer.
1: What? And we're from Cleveland, Ohio. And you are listening to the Barbecue Central yeah,
0: Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, so we turn to the market to get great quality products. However, there are others out there who are able to put together recipes that are really kick-ass and the obvious path to follow is trying to get the recipe from kitchen to the consumer's market but how is that uh, as far as ease is concerned my next guest is right in the middle of all this so we race over the hotline he's going to share his experience with us tonight it's uh, Shane Draper of Draper's BBQ. Shane how are you buddy?
3: Uh, I'm great Greg how are you man?
0: Doing absolutely fabulous Shane and appreciate you taking time out to join me tonight uh, following up, uh, Ray Lampy, Doctor Barbecue. If uh, hey, you
3: got to follow somebody, Ray's a great guy. Absolutely. Why not?
0: Why not follow the doctor? Shane, you've you have both a sauce and a rub, and we'll kind of, I guess, start with the sauce. But for the questions tonight, if you can work in, oh, by the way, rub also kind of follows similar lines, or if you, if they kind of seem similar in question, and you can fit both answers, and just go ahead. Uh, we don't want to really restrict it to anything. Uh, but, so we'll talk about both as well. Let's start with the sauce first, since that's the first thing I tried when you sent me a, uh, a pack a little while ago. Is this a family recipe, Shane, or is this something that it's like a Shane Draper original that you concocted yourself?
3: The stuff that's, uh, now smoking sauce is an original. Uh, my, there is a family recipe, of my grandfather's, it's a vinegar-based sauce, but, uh, as much as we love it there's just not a wide enough appeal uh, to market it nationwide so we uh, we went with uh, with my sauce
0: all right now when did you decide at looking at getting into the sauce market were there just rave reviews from friends and family were you getting this false encouragement from people telling you that you needed to risk your ass in order to get this stuff i mean look people tell me all the time it's this is great or that is great and that I should sell it, but they don't really understand the risk involved. And as Ray said, you kind of have to have uh, brass balls in order to, to get into this when you're living an entrepreneurial lifestyle. When did you decide that this might be a step you were willing to consider?
3: Well, it was kind of a multifaceted process. I don't think you all of a sudden wake up one day and the lightning comes down from, uh, from the sky and you go, hey, I'm going to make this, uh, this great sauce. Um, believe it or not, my, my journey to making sauces actually started with uh, one of Ray's books. I picked it up uh, one, one winner. Went through it, just kind of figured out how to make some sauces, and decided, you know, I think I can make a pretty good sauce, and just kept really working at it and tweaking at it. And then we started using it in a couple small-time competitions, and I gave it out to a couple friends and a couple really uh, highly respected palates that I knew these guys knew what they were talking about. And uh, you kept getting that reaction of not just "Wow, this is good" or "This is okay," uh, it was "Wow, well, this is amazing!" You really got to uh, you got to market this. And I I still didn't follow their advice at that point. It took us going to uh, Memphis in May in 2010 with uh, Team Tucker Cooker. We were invited with them, and I entered my sauce as uh, the tomato base uh, category, and we took 12th place there.
0: So winning that or or getting a a nice rank in the competition there kind of gave you that impetus to jump off. Do you have any ideas you are making the sauce and making this sauce? How many iterations you went through before you came out with Draper Smoking Sauce?
3: I would say about 65-70 before Memphis and May and another 20 post-Memphis and May to get it wow. tight enough wow. to, you know, go to the factory with. So, where did you find
0: the info necessary to take that next step? I mean, once you're like, yeah, okay, got all this feedback from people that I trust, and uh, we did well at a competition as far as getting judged by other people that uh, you know, maybe I, I don't know at all. And now I want to look at potentially getting it to market. Is it something that you knew about? Did you have experience in any type of food service industry? Did you know anybody that had food service industry experience to help you kind of move it along?
3: Yeah, I probably had the least amount of experience of anyone uh, when it comes to to sauce and how to get it to market. Mine was a lot of research, asking a lot of questions, making a lot of phone calls, and just really wearing people out to get the info I needed.
0: Do do you have any specific examples of of where you went to get this info? Uh,
3: When you start kind of in your local area, I'd recommend anyone to pick a bottler somewhat close to them because it will save you a lot in the long run uh, as far as headaches and you get a little more creative control of your product if you can go face-to-face with these guys. So we started just looking in the media area first as to who could bottle on a nationwide level.
0: Was that a a quick search for you, or did it take a while?
3: It took about two weeks to, to really narrow down the list and make some phone calls and... Go meet the the different uh, manufacturers.
0: Shane, are you you getting uh, some drop back on you? You getting some echo? Yeah, I'm I'm here. All right, let me me call you right back. This happens every once in a while. Hold on one second. Is that better? How about now? That sounds good. How about you? great all right so uh, we'll get into copacker here in just a minute uh because that's obviously a, a very important point in this whole process as far as rubs and sauces are concerned did you th- so sauce was first right rub was secondary to the sauce as far as getting something else to market
3: yeah i mean we had a rub but i never had any intention of marketing it once i had the rub i intended for that to just be for our competition team Uh, And we kind of figured out as we marketed the sauce pretty quickly that we needed a secondary product pretty quick to be able to uh, bring in enough cash flow to keep everything afloat.
0: All right. So that was a very nice segue that you had there. Money involved. How much does it really cost? And perhaps even more importantly than a number that you could shoot out for us, just in your experience, some of the hidden costs associated with bringing a sauce to market?
3: Oh, there's tons. Uh, you know, the design work that has to go into labeling and websites and, and all these things, if, if you can't do that stuff on your own or you don't have someone who can put uh, an inordinate amount of time uh, into this freely for you, then you've got to pay him. And I, I know friends that have tied up uh, several thousand dollars in just that part of the, uh, the the bringing it to market.
0: All right, so let's kind of go you know line by line because as I was saying, you know when you have people telling you that this stuff is great, you should get it to market. They they don't understand what the costs involved are. So you know, four labels, four web designs, four logos, and UPC codes, and FDA adherence on the label. All of this stuff, not to mention that first batch of cost and shipping the product to be reviewed, all that other stuff. What are you looking at as far as cost to just to kind of say you're in this game?
3: I would say on the low end, if, if you're not prepared to throw about five grand at it, you're, wow. you're probably not being realistic.
0: That's a lot of money, right?
3: It, it certainly is. And, and keep in mind, that's for one product. <laughs> um, I, and I know people can do it cheaper um i mean i did mine for less than that but i've got for example in our label i did all the artwork on that label i did the actual design myself i've got 40 plus hours of just my time in that label um now if if i didn't have the skills to do that that's you know probably 10 hours of a designer's time at you know however many hundreds of dollars now oh absolutely
0: and are you a web designer too
3: Well, by necessity, Um, my background is uh, I'm an IT guy by day, so uh, I learned a lot of coding and a lot of web stuff pretty quick. uh, Just because, you know, to pay for stuff, we had to cook ribs and whatnot and sell it to pay for the first, you know, five thousand labels or the first batch of sauce, and and that's kind of the way we did it. We did it and took this uh, the bite of the elephant, uh, you know, you know, bite of a time uh, to to not have to sink in that many thousand dollars at once and uh, me get divorced in the process.
0: Yeah, we definitely want to stay married. Shane, I'm going to drop you off here just for a second, then we're going to get into like logo design and, and UPC and all that other stuff. Uh, but first, I wanted to give you a quick reminder, folks, about my guys over at the Barbecue Guru. Look, Look, uh, we talk about it all the time. We're busy. We have lives that we must lead during the day. But we also really like barbecue especially those bigger cuts i mean it's probably well i mean maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility anymore especially if you don't foil your ribs and you are an outside salesperson who is going to be able to make a a five or six hour day where you could put on you know three or four slabs of spare ribs and set your automatic temperature control device to 250 degrees and be able to show up for dinner Because that automatic pit temperature control device, that barbecue guru, has been able to monitor your pit temperature while you uh, are being actually productive so you can get paid and have a living, right? I mean, forget about it. Who doesn't want to do that? Especially for the bigger cuts of meat. For those of you that do not want to be up tending fire all night long. Look, I understand it's going to be a big pain in the ass. Maybe you don't have a pellet cooker where you can just set a temperature, make sure the hopper is full of pellets, and then you can go to sleep. This is going to be like next best thing. This is going to be able to be a device where you're going to be able to set a temperature for your pit to stay at, and that's what's going to be doing the work. It's not you getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and making sure there's water in the pan and making sure the vents are readjusted, making sure that you stir the coals to knock off any ash that is accumulated onto those coals. No, no, no. This takes it all away. The automatic pit temperature control device from the Barbecue Guru have your back, when you are on your back, sleeping. It allows you to sleep. There's four different models to choose from right now. You have that ProCom 4 wireless unit. You have a Cyber Q2. You have that DigiQ DX. And that brand new one that just came out a couple weeks ago that Bob Trudnack was on talking about called the Party Q. It's $129 for those regular bullet-style smokers and kettle grills. $139 for those ceramic types. It's completely portable. It's running on batteries. You don't even need to plug it in anymore. You're going to get like 30, 40 hours out of a set of batteries, so you can use it a couple different times over very long cooks. You're going to get your battery's life worth out of it. It's going to be fabulous. Party Q is the best entry-level device that you can get for automatic temperature control device, and you can only find it at the Barbecue Guru. Check them out online, bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com, or call them toll-free. You can talk to Bob, you can talk to any of the other very knowledgeable staff members over at barbecue guru 800-288-G-U-R-U 800-288-G-U-R-U it's the good folks over at the barbecue guru also carrying wicked good charcoal blues hog head country slabs and dizzy pig rubs it's a one-stop shop for you bbqguru.com shane draper coming back here in just 10 seconds
2: Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempy. All
0: right, we are back. Shane Draper talking to us about bringing rubs and sauces to market and all that Business stuff that is related, and we're talking about uh, like hidden cost. Uh, we were just talking about web design before we ducked out. Another thing that's very important, of course, is logo. You want your stuff to stand out. Uh, how do you come up with a, a logo design? Is that something you farm out to one Patrick Carlson from like Hotspot, or do you do that as well, Shane?
3: I think you just got to look at what your skills are. I mean, I, I'm blessed to have skills in a lot of areas, and that's not pat myself on the back at all. I've just done a lot, <laughs> you know, with in uh, different roles and different jobs that I can I can do some of that as far as artistry. Um, but y- you've really got to get a logo that speaks to you, represents your company well, and also will speak to the customer as they walk down the aisle and say, you know, Walmart or the local butcher shop or whatever. You know, your, your logo is everything when you start. I mean, they can't taste what's in the bottle. They've got to take a chance on it.
0: Shane for joining us here on the show. Uh, one other thing that you know, I never remember, and by the way, you have all these skills. The more I listen to you, the more I realize there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do this. Uh, UPC codes.
3: Yeah, they're evil. <laughs> um, there, there's a cheap way to do it, uh, and then there's a, the right way and the expensive way to do it. Um, I would rather people research that and pick their own path there because there's a vast difference in the amount that you can pay. All right. And then, of course,
0: I would imagine you're you're going to have to list out products and – or not products, but ingredients that are in these rubs and, and FDA, all that stuff.
3: Right. The, the really good part is when you work with a co-packer um, and, and there's back and forth. Some say go with one that has a scientist uh, there that can help you, and that is more expensive. And there are some that say don't go with one that has a scientist because that's cheaper. I got to tell you, if your intention from the get go, and, and I recommend that everyone sit down and, and really have this heart to heart with themselves, is your intention to put something on your store shelves within a five mile drive or a 500 or 1,500 mile drive? Um, you know, if you really want to see your product on all those shelves, you may as well go ahead and go on in with the big boys, get it done the right way and get your ingredients listed correctly, and be prepared to make that jump with your co-packer when you get that phone call and they say, we need hundreds of pallets of you know product, not just a box.
0: Absolutely. And you're looking at just for sauce, 5,000, you're recommending you know to, to budget around $5,000 just to, to jump in the first time around.
3: Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, it can be done cheaper. I don't want people to, you know, someone sending me hate mail saying, no, I did it for much less than this. I did too. I'm just saying, unless you're realistically willing to tie up that much money, I would not recommend doing this. And this
0: includes first batch costs, because I imagine that uh, th- there's got to be some type of setup on the, uh, the other companies, then it's going to be helping you make it.
3: Yeah, that, that's, that's just really getting your first run of sauce out there. And uh, your packer will vary between what their minimum order is, so... 5000 may very well be on the low side. Thankfully, my packer does 50-gallon batches, uh, and, and I can live with that cost very easily instead of having to cut them a $2,000 check and wait to sell all that sauce. I mean, that, that has really been a help for us.
0: Now, we're talking about co-packers, so we'll kind of transition into this portion of the conversation. Uh, you said you were able to find one in a couple weeks. Did you, did you interview any other ones that anybody tell you No. We don't want to. We don't want to get into business with you.
3: Yeah, there's there's a lot that will tell you no. Um, if they don't think you're going to be a big line product, uh, we're, we're bottling the same uh, line as uh, uh, stubs and a few others. So we picked a bigger co packer, um, but because of that, we had to give up a few choices. For say, like what bottle we're in and things like that. But I wanted a big co packer that. I, could, I knew I could go national with it and not have to change in midstream to a different co-packer. Um, so, again, every decision in this process is pretty simple, but it's not necessarily easy because everything affects everything else. So it's a, it's a lot of domino effect stuff that you don't realize until you're six months past making that decision.
0: Now, when you met with these guys and you felt good about joining, they felt good about you as a line that they would like to represent. How quickly are they able to match your recipe and kind of get it up and running?
3: Um, If you've got a pretty simplistic recipe, uh, they could turn that out in in about a week, maybe two. We had a pretty complex recipe, and I was very, very – anyone that knows me when it comes to label design, logo design, any products that have our name on it, I mean, I'm very exacting. The stuff in that bottle that ships – if I knew if I couldn't open it and use it in a competition, I wouldn't sell it. So we fought over ingredients. They really tried to help me out by recommending other ingredients to bring the price down, and I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that because I, I wanted exactly the same thing I was using, uh, you know, on at in my house on my stove, turning out these competition sauces. And, and I did the same thing for our rub. I just would not uh, give in on any of the ingredients.
0: Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions. Was you know, Are they trying to change your recipe at all, or were they coming across acting like they knew more about your product than you did as far as taking it out of the house and into more of a, a commercial aspect?
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they're they really trying to be helpful, so keep that in mind. They, they've done this a long time, and most of them are very, very good people. We're very blessed to have two of the best co-packers in the business. I firmly believe that. Um, they're really trying to help me get my bottom line down. Because they know the companies that don't make it are the ones that can't manage cash flow. And, you know, if, if, you're, if my cost on a product is, you know, let's, let's just pick a magical number, it's $5 per, per bottle, uh-huh. and I'm having to sell it at, at $7, i am just not making enough yeah. per unit to really stay in business.
0: Did you have to, you know, when you're going through all the products and, and your, or the ingredients and they're making these recommendations to you? I mean, at the end of the day, these people know what they're talking about. They're dealing with some other big lines. Did you have to make any compromises, Shane, in quality of ingredients uh, in order to meet either like shelf life? Or uh, in order to meet your margin requirements, because you're a business guy, I mean, you know what you're going to need to be making to make it sustainable. So did you have to relent on anything or did you just say, no way, it doesn't matter?
3: Well, you know, honestly, in hindsight, I, there's a couple places I probably should have relented, to be honest with you. And I know that sounds crazy, uh, but but I'm glad I didn't. We, we went through some really lean times, uh, you know, first, second batches. Uh, trying to get the, the capital in and you know keep keep the money rolling. But you know what? It really taught us to be lean quick. Uh, we appreciated the advice we were given, and and I was just, like I said, so stubborn at the time that I just wouldn't relent. But thankfully, the, the co-packers both played ball with us. And in the end, we got a far, far superior product to, to a lot of the things out there uh, today, especially on any of the big box stores. And I'm thankful for that. When, when we sell a bottle of our saucer rub, I don't feel ashamed at all of anything that's in there. And, and we've got ding from a few customers, about, you know, saying, well, your, your product has high fructose corn syrup. And, and I'll tell you that this is kind of like a Dave's rant on a, on a CAB uh, beef there. Uh, you know, the only place we have high fructose is, is in our ketchup base. And it's there because frankly, that ketchup base tasted better than with the regular without it. Um, but you know, you're not drinking five gallons of this stuff at a time. It's a little bit of sauce, and I just don't get what the big deal is in America with the uh, with the high fructose corn syrup and, and barbecue sauces. But that's that's just my personal rant.
0: Wow. That was uh, crazy, just like Dave uh, Just kidding. Uh, Shane Draper joining us here on the show. Now – when we're talking about that very first run, you agree? What was the minimum that they said you were going to have to put? You said it was 50-gallon batches or something like that? Uh,
3: for the sauce, it was 50 gallons. For the rub, it was 50 pounds. Uh, both very, very manageable. And yep. like I said, we, now I've, I've talked to other companies, and it was uh, double and triple that easily. Uh, but thankfully, our bottler and uh, for, for both the sauce and rub have very low minimums and have a very great uh, way to deal with very small companies like us so I mean how many bottles is that of sauce uh, it works out to like 300 almost 400 bottles somewhere in there
0: all right so you have 300 but bo- now I, I would imagine these guys aren't giving you terms you're gonna have to bone out cash as soon as it's done with production right
3: oh yeah yeah it's if you want it yeah, <laughs> it's done you're you're cutting the check for it to pick it up right I mean there's there's no uh, No, uh, you know, net 30 terms at first. Uh, All these things uh, you'll learn as you go through this process are kind of earned. As you do more volume and you do more business, you get this better deal and and things of that nature. As far as uh, I mentioned, uh, they dictated a little bit of what the bottle we were in for our sauce. They wanted to bottle us on their cheaper line that included a glass bottle because it was cheaper for them to do so. And cheaper for us, might I add, at the time. And we've taken it in the shorts on... Shipping and handling because that glass bottle is way yeah, heavier right. it feels better it looks better, but it's costless and shipping and we've just now hit a volume where we can transition into plastic and we will after the new year
0: all right so that was the next question or the the next uh, subsection that we're going to be talking about picking the right bottle for your product or at least let's say packaging for your product. Uh, For instance, in rubs, some are in bags with Ziploc-style seals. Some just come, almost look like they're batch-produced. They have no entry point except that you're just going to cut it open, and then who knows how the hell you're going to store it to keep it fresh. Yours is in a shaker. A lot of other rubs are in a shaker as well. Is this something that you were able to pick off, uh, like right off at the top, as far as the the rub is concerned, Uh, or was that not even an option? Obviously, we know the deal with the co-packer as far as the sauce is concerned and, and what you're going to be doing after the first of the year. But, I mean, what kind of rub options did they offer you for, as far as packaging is concerned?
3: We rushed our rub production so much, I didn't quite honestly look at uh, at options. We uh, we needed rub, and we needed it yesterday. They offered it in the bottle that we're in now. I ordered 5,000 labels, and that set that ball into motion. Uh, we've been since offered a few other options, including the one pound, uh, I kind of considered the bulk pack that a lot of our competition teams buy. Uh, it's not resealable, but because most of those guys are dumping that whole pound in a shaker most times anyway, uh, we will probably, uh, move into more of a resealable bag, um, again, right after the new year. But, and again, this, this all comes down to, we have enough volume that we can start dictating some of the terms back and it becomes cost you know, effective instead of prohibitive for us to do so now.
0: All right. Well, let me be an idiot and ask the question, is a Ziploc bag or a resealable bag style delivery method more expensive than a shaker bottle?
3: It can be. You, you would be surprised what, what is and isn't more expensive. For example, most people would assume the glass bottle uh, for the sauce is more expensive and it's actually less expensive. Uh, and it's just because of the way glass is recycled and the way they can buy it in bulk.
0: You know, one of the things that I've always said, because people are like, you know, Greg, you should uh, market your sauce. You should sell your sauce. And I can't, I can't honestly, or, or people want me to make it for them. You know, just people at work or they've had it and they just want me to make this stuff. I will not make sauce for people because the cost... For me to make it that I would charge them would be so high because of the ingredients that I'm using. And, of course, uh, I have to take into account the, the time that it's taking me. You know, It could take up to three hours for me to do the sauce just the way I want it because I like to have it a consistency and a taste each and every time. And it's got to be the same for me in order to want it to potentially even give it. But the price would be just insanely uh, outrageous. Are, are you able to compare? Combat, uh, or, or is it the simple way of thinking that you're able to combat high pricing in bottling? The more you buy, the less you're going to be paying.
3: Well, exactly, and and it becomes an issue of do you want to be a company that bottles sauce, or do you want to be a company that sells sauce? I mean, there's a time uh, uh, you know associated to that. If I make you a gallon of sauce on my stovetop, I'm going to charge you like seventy-five bucks yeah, for right. it, right? Exactly. If 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 I give you a gallon of sauce from our factory, I'm going to charge you 20 bucks for it. And it, you know, I would, the profit I'd make on that is still better than what I would have made on my stove because they can do it in just such high volume.
0: Interesting stuff. Shane Draper joining us here on the show drapersbbq.com of course is the website you can follow shane on twitter as well drapers bbq also got a facebook location uh, just like everybody does and don't forget we have that uh, holiday uh, giveaway coming up here soon after uh, thanksgiving so we'll talk about it here uh, towards the end Uh, Shane, one of the things that you've mentioned here a number of times, I've also seen it on the chat room uh, from another people that have some of their own sauces and rubs as well uh, in competition with you, is this uh, whole thing called shipping. And it's like the devil. I mean, look, let me talk from a, a consumer's side because I obviously can't talk from being the guy that's selling it like you are, Shane, but... Let's say I'm trolling around the internet, and let me give you a better example. This is the best example that I have as far as shipping costs really, let's say, preventing a sale from my side, the person you're actually trying to make money off of. Uh, There's a guy out there in Texas called Craig Sherry, and he does Texas pepper jelly, and really one of the best products out there, very unique, but uh, fabulous tasting. Again, a, a very niche, unique product that can be used in a number of stuff. It's like the secret weapon in my sauce. And I had been on a number of different forums and heard about it, and I would go to his website. It was very well put together. I was very excited to buy his products, and I would put it in the cart, uh, you know, two, two jars of this stuff, which didn't really seem like a huge amount as far as fluid ounces concerned and weight. It was more in shipping. Than the bottles, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't pull the trigger on it, and I wouldn't buy it. And the same thing would happen again a month later when I thought I had the stones to go ahead and bone out for it. Now, obviously, I did at one point and realized that the shipping shouldn't have prevented This is something, real life, Shane, that you are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it has got to be ultimately frustrating that something could kill a sale that really, I mean, it's got to be part of the business. You have to get it to somebody, right?
3: Oh, absolutely, and and it's the most frustrating part for me. I, I hate it. I, shipping is one of those four-letter words for me anymore. Um, we started out initially shipping everything flat rate uh, through the postal system. Uh, we had literally a twenty to thirty percent break rate because uh, wow. we're in a glass bottle. I could I could put, you know, four ply, you know. Of uh, bubble wrap around these bottles, could not get them there. Hey, you know, some people have seen the commercial from Domino's. The guy at CEO opens the box of pizza and yeah. it's all stuck to the top. And he says, "This can't happen." Well, I've actually gotten some of those pictures back. Hey, here's uh... here's your sauce you just sent to me. And oh, by the way, I paid fifty bucks for everything that oh, was in it. Right. Um, you know, and it looks like it got ran over by the mailman. And it literally, some of it looked like it got ran over. So we made the transition over to FedEx. And we, you know, brokered a little better rate, um, but at the same time, it still costs, right? I mean, my my monthly bill to FedEx is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. What I charge in shipping is what it costs in shipping, uh, you know. And what people don't understand, you get, you know, it's uh, like Diane says there in the chat room. That's why you need plastic bottles. I completely agree, but you have to be in a doing enough volume to do plastic bottles, and it's a little bit of a catch twenty two. Um, going to plastic is really the revelation, uh, for my, you know, with my co-packer to, to, to really get that rate down so we can catch more sales. But when, you know, it's frustrating because I can ship someone one bottle of sauce and it costs $12 literally sometimes (laughs) depending on where they're at, or I can ship them a case of sauce and I, and I literally a case for $12, you know, my my advice to all you guys out there, especially if you think you're going to like the product, is buy as much as you can afford at that time. And because, obviously, buying you know, more... We're going,
0: to, we're going to help you with the shipping. Yeah, but buying more at one time
3: is going to save you on the shipping. That's what I learned with the pepper jelly stuff. Exactly. And believe me, especially people in the barbecue business, we're not getting rich on the shipping. We're not. Shipping kills me.
0: How much of a benefit is it, Shane, if I go to... Uh, Rudy's Quality Meats on Vine Street in Eastlake, Ohio, and say, "I want Draper's barbecue products. I want Draper's barbecue products. Is that something where I could give you contact information from them? Are you going to make an outbound sales uh, telephone call to them and say, uh, this is who I am, and I'd like to have your. Pro- I would like to have my products in your store.' I mean, how does that portion of it go around?
3: Absolutely, I've made more cold calls uh, based on someone just sending me an email saying, uh, hey, I, I really want your product here. I, I've ordered from you like six times. Uh, I love you, but you're killing me on shipping, you know. And they'll like, great, give me your local butcher. And I make the phone call, and uh, they, uh, most of the time, we're able to, to take care of it. And I can at least ship them a couple cases. Yeah, it goes on their shelf at, you know, $7 a bottle, but that's still price per unit cheaper than what the customer is going to probably pay if they ordered it direct from me.
0: Yeah, and they're going to feel better because now they can just go to the store and pick it up.
3: Exactly, and and I would rather have that. I, I want to be in the sauce uh, marketing business and selling sauce. I don't necessarily want to pack one bottle in one box 92 times a day. I love the customers, and I appreciate you, but I would much rather put this on store shelves and you come get it there.
0: Absolutely. All right, we're going to uh, step away uh, just for a quick second. We're going to come back and wrap up with Shane Draper on the whole uh, sauce and rub business. Lots of great information that uh, Shane is sharing tonight, so hopefully you're paying attention. Uh, Gang, let me tell you, we know the holiday season is around, right? Let me show you, if you're watching. Here it is. It's the Accutron watch. Can't freaking – there you go. Look at that thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's awesome. You know what's not awesome? Having to pay full retail price for that watch. Yikes. That's not fun. But guess what? We don't have to do that. Centralites, remember, we know that guy, Stephen DeFranco. He's our contact in the jewelry business. Maybe you've had some big dreams and aspirations for getting your significant other, whether it be a male or female, perhaps a same-sex lover something stunning this year for the holiday season. Take advantage of Stephen DeFranco's layaway right now. There's no extra charge for it. That's right. Nobody does. Nobody does layaway right now. Stephen's going to do it. It doesn't just have to be on the watch. You can do earrings. You can do diamonds of some sort. You can obviously do any of the watches that he's got. He's got Accutron, uh, which is the high-level Bolivar. He's got Standard Boulevard. He's got Citizens. He's got Philip & Company, which is a cottage watchmaker right here in Westlake, Ohio. Venetian glass jewelry. He's got those uh, Pandora-style bracelets. It's not called Pandora. It's like camele or something like that. Lay it away. Take your time. Pay for it over a little bit of time, and then produce a magical gift that is bona fide, going to get you laid Christmas when you present it to your uh, your, your, your sweet person, okay? First of all, you got to go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. you got to click on the Stephen DeFranco banner and then peruse what he's got in the inventory and then call that 440 number. As for Steve, you can talk to him directly or one of his fine sales staff. So make sure that you get a great deal. You get a huge percentage off just because you're a Centralite. You mention my name or Steve's name, the term Barbecue Brother. You get extra savings. Everything ships free, so you don't have to worry about that, especially with the watches. You get batteries for life. You get polishing, engraving. Do yourself a favor. Call them up and see what you can save and be a hit this holiday season. All thanks to Stephen DeFranco Jewelers right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Again, stephendefranco.com or go to the homepage of barbecue central radio networks click on the stephen defranco banner and then go from there we will wrap up with shane draper on the barbecue rub and sauce biz here in just 10 seconds hang on
2: Big-name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: All right, coming up on 20 minutes till the top of the hour, talking with Shane Draper about uh, Rub and Sauce biz. Shane, uh, thanks for hanging with me tonight. Appreciate it. In the second hour. Shane, do you ship to Canada? Because, you know, evidently that's a pain in the ass.
3: Yeah, my, my first experience shipping to Canada was uh, with uh, uh, was Oshawa Ogre. Yep. He won one of our uh, our contests, and I had no idea. I'd never shipped to Canada before. And, uh, yeah, I got that bill. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, we we will, uh, but we like to do it uh, kind on of a case-for-case basis is the short answer. I mean, what's the
0: deal with, is it just because it's international? I mean, it's, it's kind of like all on the same continent.
3: You would think, right? But uh, it's, it's the customs and, and, and all the mess that, that comes along with it that just makes it so, so expensive. And it delays the heck out of it. And, and that's the worst part. You know, you, you got someone waiting on a product and it sets in customs for about a week before it ever moves. And it, it's just so frustrating. I like to smuggle most of our sauce back across the border by a, <laughs> by a diva Q personally. Hey, there you go. Nothing. Now that we're letting any
0: cats out of the bag or anything, no way. Uh, Shane, when we're talking about getting, you know, you finally got your sauce and you, you want to get it into stores and stuff. Obviously, that entails marketing. So you're kind of like a jack of all trades. You are web guy, your logo guy, now you're marketing guy. Traditional channels aside, you know, which is you're going to be either probably stopping in with feet in the ground to people around your general area or making phone calls. What other ways of marketing have you found to be successful in getting Draper's Barbecue's name out there?
3: Uh, the, the Greg Rippey Barbecue Show. Yeah, yeah. best yeah. way ever.
0: Now, obviously, everything is going to be a step down from there. But what else have you found?
3: Really, when we when I decided to go full tilt with this thing, I decided to just go all in with social media. The reason why is it was just a low uh, entry cost as far as dollars. It's a high entry cost as far as time build reputation. Right. and reputation. Uh, and, you know, just I, I highly recommend it because you can build a lot of, a, I guess, street credibility uh, that way. And you get a lot of fans quick. And the, the best thing you can have in this business is – someone else talking about your product. You know, we don't make sales. I can't tell you my sauce is the best and you believe me, but Bob, your next door neighbor can tell you and you order a case from me. And that's one of the best lessons to to learn early.
0: All right. Now, do you do trade shows or events that are at least within a specified area? I mean, there's the fiery foods and barbecue show that's out there in New Mexico every year. Um, obviously, there are some other trade events that may or may not be around your particular region, Shane. But are these some things that you like to go to just because you can put product out on a table, have people taste it and buy it right off? Or does the cost not justify the ends?
3: Yeah, well, it's both, right? Um, I, I think everyone needs to really assess what their talent is. I love talking to people. I've done a lot of briefings uh, in my military career. I don't mind getting in front of a crowd. I don't mind yelling at people, get them to come over to the table. If you're not that personality, you're not going to do that great at some of these trade shows. So just really assess your strengths and go from there. We do great at them. The, The show we just did in Danville, the Kentucky State Barbecue Festival, we did fantastic. And we had a line the whole time. But I'll tell you what, it was us talking until we lost our voice, shaking hands, high-fiving the whole nine, and getting our product out there. What's your cost to go in on that? It can range from $100 to $1,000. Um, you know, the, 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 here, Here's two great examples. So we had the one in Danville, Kentucky, which is a four-and-a-half-hour drive for us, about a four-hour drive for us. Uh, cost of entry was just over 100 bucks. Uh, so we had gas, a hotel room, the cost to get in there, plus our product. That's about as cheap as you're ever going to get it. Right. The other extreme end of that is uh, f- we did the we the Royale uh, Barbecue Society from Kansas City contact just to be a vendor, and we went out there and did that show. Well, it was significantly more expensive to get in, uh, really had about the same crowd to see our food, and really made about the same amount of sales. But you don't know this until you've gone and done that show. So it's all a crapshoot. Uh, The best you can hope for when we do these shows is to break even. But the point is to go out, you know, you you may not make profit on that first bottle of sauce you give someone. It's the third and fourth bottle of sauce that you're counting on making the money. And you got to have a great product and count on those repeat sales. And, you know, if I had to give anyone uh, a solid piece of advice who makes a sauce, it's this right here. Don't stop when you just have, an all right sauce. Um, there was a point in time. I, my first few sauces, I'm like, this, this is pretty good. This doesn't suck, but it wasn't great either. It offered nothing additional to the market, and I didn't stop until I really had something that I knew was different and offered a different proposition to the market. And and that is just key to everything. Who cares if you taste like Casey Masterchi, your masterpiece? but you're in a different bottle. At the end of the day, you still taste like another product that's that's on the market, and you're not going to have longevity doing that.
0: That's right. Shane for joining us here on the show. Shane, when you are comparing and contrasting your Kentucky event versus the Royal, are you also taking into account, while maybe you're just looking to break even, that an event like the Royal is obviously going to give you more exposure? Obviously not anywhere near more sales. As you said, you, they were comparable to the two, but... You had more
3: foot traffic at the Royal, I would imagine you would think so, but where they had to tuck, had us tucked away, it was really about the same i 'd say we saw fifteen thousand of the crowd that was there oh, wow. but sometimes you go to these uh, these events, not selling the sauce and making first person sales is a byproduct of why you really want to be there sometimes it 's shaking the right hand sometimes it 's meeting the right people. Yeah. great example while we 're at the uh, you know in Kansas City. You know, none other than Dave Raymond comes trotting by and says, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute and give you a little advice? You know, and the first piece of advice that he gave me was manage your cash flow. You've got a great product, you'll do well if you manage your cash right now. That's stuff that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else in this world. Uh, You know, meeting, uh, you know, Ray one on one and getting to talk to him for a minute at Danville. Wouldn't have happened if I stayed at home and was just shipping my product places. You have to go. You have to shake hands. This business is about relationships, and if that's not what you're about, you're not going to make it.
0: All right, Shane. So with the remaining time that we have left, let me ask you the tough question here. Well, there's going to be the last two tough questions. Uh, evaluation of where you started, where you are now. Are you about where you expected? Are you a little behind? Are you ahead of the game? What do you think?
3: Well, I, I set a pretty high goal uh, for myself, so understandably, uh, <laughs> I, I set it so high I didn't expect to make it right, but, but we did. <laughs> um, we ordered our first batch of, uh, uh, of labels, and I said if we sell this many bottles of sauce for these labels in one year, we will have far exceeded any of my expectations. Well, we did that, and then I said, well, if I have uh, you know, X number of Twitter followers in, in, in one year, we'll, we'll have made it. And I did that in under a year, you know, then it was if I know these 10 people and they know us and can say that we're a good product, you know, then we've made it. And, and think, But I, I listed all these things out and really went after these goals, um, you know, and, and a lot of people think this is what I do full time. It's not. I, I'm an IT guy by day. I just don't sleep, man, <laughs> you know, but we're, we're far ahead of where we thought we would be. That's good.
0: Better, uh, better far ahead than far behind, right? Probably wouldn't be having this discussion, oh, I would imagine. Absolutely. Shane Draper joining us here on the show. Uh, by the way, website drapersbbq.com. You can follow Shane on Twitter at drapersbbq. And of course, he has presence on Facebook as well, always open for uh, any type of conversation and questions that you might have. So let's talk about the end game here, Shane. Some people get into business, you know, really with that sole hope of selling what they've started to a bigger entity. You don't strike me just as talking the number of times that we have and kind of that passion and devotion in your voice, the excitement in your voice. You don't strike me as someone who is out, really kind of set forth to do that initially. But let's say I'm a buyer for Kraft or some of the really big company, and I'm looking to buy your sauce rub because it's something that I want to add to the product line. Maybe allows Kraft to have one bottle of sauce that doesn't suck my ass outright, What's Shane Draper's walkaway number right now? If I, if I came right up to you, introduced myself, we took a meeting, and I said, chain, we want to buy your rub, we want to buy your sauce, we're going to rebrand it, and, and we want the recipes. What's your walkaway number that you're happy with?
3: Yeah, I, I've been asked this question by a couple of really influential people, and, and I've had nightmares and also happy <laughs> dreams thinking about it. But at the end of the day, if I can come up with a number, it's time for me to stop right now. I I love this too much. I love the people too much. I love the product too much. I don't know that I have a number.
0: All right, so let me uh, counterpoint your statement there, and I respect that because you, you like doing it so much. But look, the people that love it that much, that are invested in the product that much, never see it coming. So if I'm going to be able to stroke a check to you for a, a certain dollar amount, there has to be an amount that you are going to be okay with. And the minute some type of inkling comes back to you and says, Shane, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have sold that for you. be like, hey, eh, you know what? I got X amount of money, man. I'm good. There's got to be a number in there. Everybody's got their price, just like uh, Ted DiBiase, the millionaire man, you to say on WWF.
3: You know how Brett Favre retired and came back so many times? No, I never heard about that. Yeah, that, that would probably be me. I see barbecue as a gateway drug into about 10 other companies that we're about to start. So while I may not always actually run the barbecue side, I will always actually do something entrepreneurial with Drapers. It's just who I am.
0: All right, so the, the, no matter what, the sauce is not for sale right now. There's going to be no amount no. of money that's going to get you to kick away from it.
3: Just don't offer it to my wife because she would take, like, 50 bucks and, like, you know, a Big Mac to, to get me to stop doing this. I was going to say,
0: Shane, I didn't want to bring it up, but I have a crisp $50 bill in my pocket Excellent. right on its way in the mail. Just Just you tell me if that's good enough, no?
3: Uh, no, not, not yet.
0: All right. Uh, well, uh, that's my uh, that's my uh, buy number. So if, if that ever comes down to it, Shane, I'm your man. Uh, Shane Draper joining us here on the show. Uh, Shane, anything else you'd like to to promote while I have you on here the last couple minutes?
3: Uh, we, we have a few new products coming out just after the new year. Uh, be on the lookout for those. We've also got our uh, limited edition holiday box set. We did it last year, sold out of them just in about a week. Uh, we're going to do 75 this year. Uh, we'll put the details on the website sometime early next week. And uh, we just hope to keep doing this, man. We we love being on the show with you. We we love talking to the people. Uh, and that, that's why we keep doing it at the end of the day. We, we just love the people.
0: There he is, uh, Shane Draper. We've talked extensively this hour about getting into the rub and sauce business. We've covered uh, sauces and rubs, money involved, company packers, uh, picking the right bottle for your products, pricing, shipping, marketing. I mean, We've pretty much covered it all, right, Shane?
3: Well, there's another two hours so we could talk on this easy.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, the amount of drinking that had
0: to go on to worrying about all that money, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
3: <laughs> all the fights about, you're talking about barbecue again, you know, from the wife.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, maybe hurt that once or twice. Uh, Shane Draper, you can find him again, Shane Draper, uh, drapersbbq.com, on Twitter, at drapersbbq.com. And, uh, of course, on the Facebook page as well. Shane, always appreciate the time. Uh, Of course, thanks for the sponsorship of the show. Uh, Continued success, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
3: My pleasure, man. Thanks. All right.
0: There he is. Shane Draper joining us here on the show. Wow. We've had a really good run of folks coming on and giving outstanding information. Look, I have to be honest. There's probably a large number of people out there in business. I I don't know if you've noticed, but if you've gone into the grocery store, you you might see one or (laughs) 50,000 bottles of rubs and sauces. I mean, this isn't like I'm just uncovering a new portion of industry for people to get into and make their millions. (laughs) Yeah, uh, been there, done it a billion times. So for the people that are out there actually bothering to get in this fracas that is the rub in the sauce business, (laughs) Uh, stone cold testicles for sure. And uh, Shane's got a really unique product. uh, So we'll go ahead and react to some of the stuff uh, that he has talked about here in just a minute. Quick reminder, folks, about the Barbecue Central Forum maybe you jones for the show during the course of the week maybe you want to interact a little bit more than you do here on the show you don't want to just listen you want to give your knowledge and expertise well look you can do it by visiting the forum bbq-the numeral 4-letter u.com or the bbqcentral.com don't forget the 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 com. a vast knowledge base of people well over a 1000 or so members Almost a, a quarter of a million posts or something like that. And you can get into this with people that are at your knowledge base, and then people far exceeding, and then people well behind. So you can ask questions, but you can also give answers. Posts are trading frequently, and it doesn't cost anything to join. You can get This is a good way to get your barbecue fixed during the course of the week when the show is on. Of course you can get it during the uh, podcast and during archives and all that other stuff but if you want to actually take like live part in barbecue conversations if you have questions if you want to share tips and techniques how to build cookers give recipes it's all listed there in the forum don't forget to check it out bbq the numeral four dash the letter com or the bbq com. that's the way to do it also This is the final spot of sponsorship right here that I'm doing right now. It's going to be me talking about your product. Get a hold of me through email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you want to find out rates, very inexpensive. You get a whole three-minute rant of me talking about your stuff, telling you how great it is. And you get some banner advertising on the Barbecue Central Forum. Social media is included, all that good stuff. Uh, We're going to come back and wrap up the second hour. Stand by. I'll be right back. Coming up on seven minutes till the top of the hour, 53 past the hour of 10 o'clock. Thanks again to Shane Draper for joining me and talking about all that great stuff with rubs and sauces. Again, uh, brass balls for anybody that is actually getting into this type of business because look, it's uh, well diluted. There's a lot of different options out there. A lot of people don't really know what a good sauce is going to taste like or what a a bad sauce is going to taste like for that matter. So, Uh, You want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence. Uh, Again, Shane, very open to taking your uh, calls, your emails. You can find him. He's not somebody that's hiding. So as I was saying before, there's a lot of people that I'm sure I could have reached out to do this interview. They would have told me to go F off. They have no interest whatsoever in giving up any information, what their trials and tribulations were, As far as uh, starting costs, investment costs, all those hidden things that we were talking about logos, websites, uh, labeling, FDA stuff, and USDA, and CAB, and FU, and all that other stuff. A lot of people aren't going to tell you about that. And all of a sudden, it becomes do I have the money? Am I going to make the leap? Ultimately, that's what it's going to all come down to. Are you an entrepreneur? Yes or no. If you can't answer yes, don't do it. If you answer yes, do you have the cash to invest to make a go at it and do it right the first time? Nothing is worse than doing a half-ass attempt at something and then failing. You learn, you grow, you learn from others' mistakes. That way you don't make those mistakes. That's why we like to talk to people. Make that year commitment and see where you're at after that 12 months. You know, really, that's with a lot of things, right? Going to take a new job. You're going to start an internet radio show. Don't just think you're going to do it for a couple weeks or a month or two. Put the investment, make a long-range plan and see where you come up with. I mean, Shane's surprised that, you know, he's exceeded his goals and the very lofty goals that he had set for himself. Nobody's more surprised that I'm still here talking four years later on a live show about the same freaking thing, barbecue and grilling. you kidding me? We do it because we love it. But unlike Shane, who has a lot more morals and scruples and ethics, I have a price. Yeah, you're damn right. I have a price. Now, it's a large price now. But uh, I have a price. I have a walkaway number in mind. And if anybody wants to know, I'll tell you. But then you have to stroke me the check immediately and take over. And it's got to be just as good. I'm going to sell this bad boy. you gotta, you got to hold it down as well as I'm going to hold it down. So I appreciate the fact that Shane comes on and is is open and is candid about all the information uh, that he has went through. Because, look, don't you want to make a success out of yourself if you're going to make that leap? Here's somebody that's going to help you. All right. You want to do – do you want me to do the – I don't even know if I have enough time, and it's so, like, overplayed now, right? <laughs> The uh, the Penn State thing, look, I, I, everybody knows about it. I have a, a very few number of, of thoughts, okay? Here, here's the bottom line. First of all, uh, what kind of man is in the shower with 10-year-old boys? Okay, creepy enough if you're a dad and you're around your own son at 10 years old in the shower. This isn't even his kid. What kind of man are you? Where does that not... Sickness number one, of course, we should preface all of this by saying presumption of innocence here in the United States. Other places, very likely this guy could have been dragged out into the street and shot just on assumption alone. But not here. No, no, he's out on bond, roaming around, doing God knows what. So why are you in that shower with him in the first place? Very bad. Secondly, if you're the gentleman, and I use that term loosely, That decides to happen upon this perv having uh, sex with a 10 year old boy in a shower. (laughs) You got to do more than just the legal obligation. You've heard it time and time again. Well, everybody here, uh, the McQuarrie, Joe Paterno, everybody was meeting their legal obligations. Where are we as a society if you don't step in and physically remove the kid from the shower? Just that one kid. His innocence is being stolen from him every second that passes that you don't do anything. This kid isn't getting murdered. He's being raped. His innocence is being taken away from every second he is in that shower. Oh, here's the bonus. He gets to live.
2: Get that out of here.
0: Gee, thanks. Get to live. Being raped by a sicko. And this has been done a number of times. And who knows what this second mile thing is going to be turned out to be. It's quite pathetic. The whole thing is ridiculous. And as you're protecting a football program. You can just go up. The, nobody did anything. All the way up the line. What Nobody stepped in. All the way up the line. I don't like that. But I did have to take the time to tell my kids... Ten, eight, and six, that there's some sick bastards out there and that no matter what they say, it is okay to tell if something happens to them. It's okay to tell. They're not going to get in trouble. That creep is not going to hurt their parents for telling. Man, if that's one thing that I can take away, you got to make sure your kids know that it's okay for them to tell if God forbid. God forbid if something happens, they got to know. That it's going to be okay under any circumstance for them to tell you. Let's just agree to, to, to agree on that. And let this other catastrophe play off on its own. It's actually ridiculous. All right, guys. Uh, we want to thank Ray Lampy, first hour, for joining us, talking about deep-fried turkey. drbbq.com. This is his website at drbbq is his twitter also second hour shane draper brought it strong on the sauce and rub business drapersbbq.com is the website also at drapersbbq is his twitter hit him up man shane good guy to talk to obviously talks well over the phone talks well over email a spectacular communicator in all regards so thanks to both of those guys for hooking me up tonight let me help you remind the uh, to control the rusty grill grate population, guys and gals. You have raw cast iron, and you use it as it's cooling down from each use. Hit a little Pam on there, a little Crisco. Let it bake in as it cools back down. You get years of flawless rust-free service. That's the key: rust-free. Finally, September eleventh, two thousand and one. I will never forget jam-packed show next Tuesday until I see you at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.